This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. And then they forget to record an introduction. So we read uh, two books. It's been a couple weeks since we recorded this episode, so I forget what they're called. Enjoy! Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And there are no guest stars this time for the first time and I'm pretty sure 2018. Yeah. If we're sounding a little bit uh, different this week, uh, screw you, it's a free podcast. But also we are in our basement. And what does the fact that we're in a basement mean, Susan? It means that we are in a house that we own we, we own this house we are paying for this house our name is on the mortgage of this house yeah yeah it's a big old deed we have so many rooms i am frightened of how many rooms there are in fact uh because you slept with me on the first night that we were in the house and then you proceeded to go on the road for the next two nights that yeah. we were in this house uh dickinson found himself a baseball bat and proceeded to patrol the main level for a bit every single time he heard a pop. It's very funny. I will tell you, it's not. But it's very funny in retrospect that if we had been back in the Riverside apartment where we lived for the last two years, I could hear glass shattering. And I'd be like, it's the ice maker. And this time I would be laying in bed just staring at the, w- the ceiling because we also didn't have internet, which is also pretty terrible. And I could hear like... And I'd say, it's the devil himself. It's a burglar. It's the burglar. It's Satan to come to burgle us. And so, uh, uh, yeah. Plus, then even after I was not afraid of the sounds anymore, I would wake up and be like, is it raining? Because I, we have to have all the windows open because we haven't turned our air on yet. Not because our air is broken, listener, but because I don't want to. Uh, and there's just... So much freaking room that I am responsible, that we, in fact, are responsible for. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of rooms. Our condo had... Four. Five rooms. Two bedrooms, two bathrooms, and then a kitchen slash living room space. I consider the second bathroom part of the bedroom. Four and a half <laughs> rooms. And this house it's has like more in- rooms than that. Which seems like an infinite number of rooms. It's like, yeah, it's like if Abraham Lincoln was late to the uh, Gettysburg Address four and a half scores ago. He's ten years late. So, how long is a score? Twenty years. Nice. Yes, nice. I gave you a hint on that one. Um, what we are here to do today is back to our original podcast, wherein Susan and I get each other the worst books we can find at our local library. And then two months later, we talk about them. Okay, listen, uh, as you probably have heard, if you have been a longtime Bibliovile listener, a certain male handsome uh, podcaster was not having a whole lot of fun reading bad books anymore. And it's not the fault of the co-host, and it's not the fault of the fact of podcasting, though it is the fact of the entire premise of this podcast, 
But it turns out that there are only like three kinds of bad books. Yeah. There's Hero bad... Against the World. Yeah. Actually, the three kinds of bad books are like the same plot romance novel with different bad names. And different weird jobs for the male protagonist. Books about shifters. Mm-hmm. And books about women who knit or crochet or have cooking mysteries. shows and solve mysteries. That's right, yeah. Those are the only three kinds of books that so, there are. Yeah, so the, it got a little... It got a little... Repetitive? Repetitive. And so a, a nice break. Plus, uh, as many of our listeners have actually spoken to us about... Yeah, it, it kind of stunk for a little bit reading bad books on purpose and being mad at books. But Chaboy, uh, for some reason, convinced his wife to have an RPG podcast for like four months. And so he, he's he's back on his game. Unfortunately, Chaboy also uh, refused to read the most previous book that his wife checked out for. I don't him. actually remember what it was, but we had gone to the library. Mick got me the book that I am going to talk about in the episode tonight. And I got him a different book. I can't remember what it was. Do you? Absolutely no. not. And he just sort of refused to read it. I tried. And so I, he didn't. I, um, I read my book and was just kind of waiting and I had notes and then the books were due and so I renewed them and then they were due again. And so I just sort of took them back to the library and waited for Mick to notice. And then one day he was like, hey, so I'm not going to read this. I said, I know I got rid of it for you. You make it sound like it was several days. I think it was the same day. So instead, Sue went back to the library when I decided that I was ready and checked me out a sequel because she wanted to go with a sure thing, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, was a good idea in a lot of ways to make sure that the writing was good enough to be bad. Like it was a uh, 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 B movie instead of just a bad movie. Yeah. You know? um, so that's good. Uh, so now I'm reading the, the sequel to a previous book about Nikki Sticks. Dead girls are easy. Dead girls are easy. So I originally checked you off or checked you out this book, which only adds to my win total on Bibliovile, I believe. You know, if you need to calculate your win total in order for you to get remotivated for this podcast, I'll give you that win. Thank you, Susan. That's what marriage is made out of is begrudging. Mm-hmm. In minutes. Um, but we're going to start with Susan because she has not read this since, what did you say, March? I read this book two months ago. February? Two months ago is March. March. Yeah, it, it was sometime one. in March. Um, this is going to be a fairly short recap on my end because I don't have the book in front of me and it's been two months since I read it. But I did take some pretty decent notes. So I read Shoe Addicts Anonymous by Beth Harbison. Um... This is a book about four different women with one common shoe size. This is the back of the book. And a shared lust for fabulous footwear. Helen Zaharis' politician husband keeps her on a tight leash and cancels her credit cards as a way of controlling her. Lorna Rafferty is up to her eyeballs in debt and can't stop her addiction to eBay. Sandra Vanderslice, battling agoraphobia, fear of crowds, pays her shoe bills by working as a phone sex operator. And Jocelyn Bowen is a nanny for the family from hell who barely knows a soul from a heel, but who will do anything to get out of the house. So I I have a question. Mm -hmm. That is in a parenthetical. The family from hell. 
parenthetical, who barely knows a soul from a heel but would do anything to get out of the house. Seeming is, like it describes the family. Yeah, right? That's, it, it is supposed to be describing her, is Jocelyn. This, yeah, is this a, a wider representation of the writing in this book? In that, yes, correct. Oh, no. Do you know how I deal with books like this, Susan? You don't read them. Okay, well, that ruins my joke. <laughs> I was gonna say... What was your punchline well, gonna I, be? I was gonna say... But yours was better. <laughs> On Tuesday nights, these women meet to trade shoes and in the process form friendships that will help them each triumph over their problems from secret pasts of blackmail, bankruptcy, and dating. Funny, emotional, and powerful, Shoe Addicts Anonymous is a perfect read for any woman who has ever struggled to find the perfect fit. I have to say, when it comes to a book about trading shoes with each other, you just gotta say, pump the brakes. Nah. That's the only one. I have soul, but yeah. that was the joke. I'm sure you will come up with some other ones. Uh, this book, when you look at the cover, it looks like I'll, it should I'll be... I'll be sure to shoehorn them in. Oh, jeez. <laughs> when you look at the cover of this book, it looks like it should be like light and fluffy, but it actually deals with some super dark themes, as you may have picked up on in that description on the back. Yikes. So some of the themes that this book covers are shopping addiction. Book covers. Extreme debt. <laughs> an abusive and very toxic marriage on both sides. There, In this one marriage, there is cheating, lying, hiding birth control pills, trying to force your spouse to get pregnant, financial control, a lot of emotional and verbal abuse, and hiring a private investigator to spy on your spouse. I'm going to space now. Whee! Yeah, we also deal with themes like agoraphobia, Bye. extreme social anxiety due to Bye. adolescent bullying and neglective parents, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, manipulative supervisors who take advantage of their supervisees, an extreme homophobia and transphobia. And Mick, I have a question for you. Does this seem like the kind of book that would handle any of those themes well? No, when you Ding br- ding 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 ding. <laughs> when you bring up that this book deals with those themes, I assumed the implication was fumbles those themes. Correct. So this book starts out with um Lorna who is dealing with her crippling debt. No, Lauren. No, Lorna. Mm, words and names and Lorna Rafferty. It's better than uh, Raff Rafferty. It's better than Lowry Berry. Lowry Berry. Um, so Lorna is in crippling debt and she has an addiction to shopping and all her credit cards get caught up, cut up. And so she decides that she's going to form a group on eBay, essentially. Yes, um, that old social networking site. Where she can no, I'm sorry, not eBay. It is Greg's list. <laughs> Craig's group. <laughs> so she goes on Greg's list and she puts out an invitation for people to come to her house and buy her shoes. <laughs> Greg's list. And so then some of the people this that. This is Law and Order SVU <laughs> bullshit. Ripped from the headlines. Yeah. Oh, man, you've been spending way too much time playing your game station. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a really good metaphor for this book that it's been, trying to be subtle and it's not. You've been playing that Battle Royale shooter, shooter you know, two weeks. 
That's a Fortnite joke. <laughs> Craigslist. Craigslist. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. So these women meet on Craigslist. <laughs> they all come to Lorna's apartment. <laughs> and they trade shoes with each other. And Good. then they tell each other stories about their lives, all of which are terrible. Sandra is the one who struggles with agoraphobia and extreme social anxiety. And she's also rather overweight. Uh, One of the reasons that she struggles with a lot of this crippling anxiety is because her parents were terrible to her. Mm. And they were, like, obviously their favorite child was Sandra's sister, who was, like, thin and pretty. And so they gave all this attention and praise to Sandra's sister and none to her. Turns out there's a reason for that, and the reason is that Sandra's sister is adopted, uh, and no one ever told Sandra that she was adopted, and the sister used to tell her parents all the time that she, the sister, felt like they didn't love her as much as they as they loved Sandra because she was adopted. So everyone's so manipulated. always pay extra attention to her and less attention to Sandra, and this made Sandra feel like she was always wow. unloved by her family because they liked her sister better. Which led to years of self-hatred. Well, she got back at him by dating John Travolta, so. No, that was Sandy. No, you're thinking of the actress who broke up with that motorcycle guy. That was Mandy. And Sandra. Bullock. Oh. Whoa, big, big notes. Big notes. There's also some real weird jokes about uh, BDSM. Mm, Sounds rough. Uh, all of the men in the book are terrible, and they make a lot of period jokes, and they refer like, to it as being on the rag. Oh, I think you're gonna be like, wow, this is. I thought it was like Dennis Miller, like, wow, this is nearly as bad as the Victorian era uh, gender roles. Cha cha. Oh, jeez. Oh, period mm. jokes. Hey, have you heard about this stock bond option? Some of the ways that this book ends we're supposed to be happy about like Lorna gets with this like loan consolidation officer to help her get a handle on her she's the shopping addict yeah yeah, to help her get a handle on her debt and then she starts sleeping with him and we're supposed to think that that's a good idea okay it's not I'm sure I'm sure that he asked for some money down but she took that a different way, I guess. Yeah. And then Sandra's high school boyfriend comes back into her life. So she was in love with this guy in high school. And they start hanging out. And she thinks that they're dating. And so she's so excited about, like, oh, I'm dating this guy, whatever. Um, you know, we're, we're finally getting back together. But he is gay. And he mm-hmm. thinks that she is a lesbian. Naturally. And so he thinks that they are just being friends, and he is trying to set her up with one of his female friends, who is also a lesbian. Well, I'd hope so. Also, Helen, uh, her husband is the one who was forcing her to get pregnant, and she was hiding her, trying to force her to get pregnant, so she was hiding her birth control pills because she didn't want to get pregnant. Wait, wait, wait. Why would she hide them if she didn't want to get pregnant? So he couldn't switch them out for placebos or throw them away? So, because he didn't, he thought that they were trying to get pregnant. Oh, so so they're both awful. They're both awful, yes. Um, So he said that he wanted a baby and she said that she didn't. And he said that it would be better for him politically if they had a baby. And so he, he said, you know, I... I basically I don't care what your opinion is. We're gonna have a baby. Uh, news update: 
Mick has melted at the news of yeah. this. Uh, better politically for me if we've had a baby. Mick is uh, Mick Dickinson on May recording date of 2018. 24th. Well, don't date it. For oh, okay. Yeah, uh, has melted into a big old embarrassed puddle and is really grossed out. Uh, more on this as it develops. News at eleven. Beep 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 beep. Don't. Don't do that. So she responds to this by saying, okay, I'll have your baby. And then going to the pharmacy. The puddle melted. And then going to the pharmacy and getting birth control pills that she hides by taping them to the underside of her dresser. But then he went to the pharmacy to pick something up. And she just called in a renewal of her prescription. And the pharmacist was like, oh, are you picking up Helen's pills? And he didn't know that she had pills. And so he said... Yes, I'm here to pick up Helen's pills. And then it was birth control. And then he was mad at her. But then it turns out that he is also cheating on her with his secretary. Can we just make that noise every time a story makes us uncomfortable? And then he hired a private investigator on her for reasons that I don't remember. Because he's cheating. And everyone who cheats assumes the other person's cheating. Uh, I have a possibly, you know... Uh, nitpicky kind of question, but it, it is important to me. Does she tape the package of birth controls? Yes. So she untapes the package every single time and then retapes it. Yes. That's not how tape works. But that is slightly better than me thinking that she just took a handful of pills and taped them up there. No. Um. She does get pregnant with his baby, and then they get a divorce. Boo 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 doo boo doo doo. Yeah, everything about that is bad. Um, in the end, the solution is that they all go into business together to sell shoes. The wife and the husband? No, all the friends. Oh, the sisterhood of the traveling shoes. Uh, shoes. Yeah. yeah. Wow, sounds like a pretty soulless book. You can't tell, but I just closed my eyes. Listen, and I'm staring blankly. You at Nick. have to admit that I really tied it all together. Look, I want you to know that I know these these puns are bad. They're tongue-in-cheek. I knew you were going to come up with more. I had total faith in you. You said you were out of shoe puns, but... I got a sock it to you. I need, oh. None of these have come close. They're like, they've all been come up with on the moment. Anyway, how is Terry Gary? It's healing. Not very scary? Not scary, Terry Gary. Uh, be very wary of Terry Gary, however. Drink some very berry juice while you're reading, Terry Gary. Uh, let the professionals handle this one, too. I know, I'm terrible. Um, anyway. I am reading A Match Made in Hell, the sequel to Dead Girls, Dead are, Girls easy. are Easy. Uh, this is a book about a woman named Nikki Sticks with N I C K I S T Y X, naturally, like the river. Um,. And I have to say that she is on point. She's like a brand. And it is very rare that you find a, a, a book character that is on brand. Um, it's a sequel. I have to say they use this phrase, which I found delightful at first, but then grew old. Uh, ghoul friend. Ooh. And, well, it's about... Like, I mean, yeah, it makes no, sense. Let me but... revise. Let me revise. That Nikki Sticks can see ghosts. Okay. That she can see spirits and she helps them get to the other side. Because in your book, I believe she had a near-death experience. of she, uh, she has a bum ticker, as she puts it, because she's 80,000 years old. Mm -hmm. She had a heart attack, basically. She has a bad heart. And then she fell in love with 
and this is very funny because I had forgotten that this was the story, but then I remembered that this happened to you in your book. But this is perfect bibliovile material, and then it happens, it, it gets recapped all at once in this book. Yeah. And I told my homeroom kids about it because I wanted them to know how bad this book was. That within the first 40 pages, um, a lot of stuff happens. Like, for instance, in Sue's book, Nikki Six almost dies. Then she comes back and uh, uh, she finds that she's in love with her doctor that brought her back to life. So they begin dating, which also, again, is gross. And then it turns out that this doctor had already been married, which is pretty gross. And then it turns out that Nikki Sticks had a long lost, because she's adopted, had a long lost twin sister. And it turns out that the doctor's ex-wife is that long-lost twin sister. Beep, 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 So, here is in the, the book recapping that stuff. You, sh- She is talking to her just. There's a gay man in this book. Do you remember the gay man in this book? I do. He's terribly, terribly stereotyped. They do seem to have a very good friendship, though. They do seem to get along a lot, but it's one of those friendships that high schoolers think works and I talked to them a lot about this, where it's like, one says slut, and the other says skank, and then they both start smiling at each other, and it's like, nah, dog, you're both gonna say that one too many times, and then you'll fucking hate each other. Mm-hmm. Stop saying it. We know it's joking, until it's not. Yeah. But it's like a gay man and a woman being like, slut, skank, <laughs> And she, Terry Gary, if I can peer behind the curtain for a second writes gay men like i wrote women when i was a freshman in college yeah. where she's like hey there sister how's it going honey bunches so like, she writes a gay man like she's never met one before yeah basically yeah. when writing a gay man she'd be like hello writing a person yeah this is my boyfriend yeah. you know like it's fine but this is her gay friend evan and a partner which took me forever uh to realize because she talks about my partner came up and because she runs a store. Yeah. And so she's like, my partner came up and started talking to me. And I, for this has been a long time since you've read this. And, you know, partner has become a gender neutral term for like boyfriend and girlfriend. Significant other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, why is she not attracted to her partner? Because it yeah. did not say business partner. It just said partner. Yeah. And so it took me a while. But anyway, getting back to me three minutes ago. This is the drama all paid out in one uh with her gay best friend you sound pretty blasé about it evan said giving me a look are you sure you're okay with this i mean having a boyfriend who's married to your long-lost twin sister could put a crimp in anybody's relationship (laughs) like just gonna toss it all out go it out for because they're still married they haven't divorced at all um so what's very very funny is that this starts off, as most of these books do, with kind of like, hey, this is me, bang, plot, you know, and then it stops from being a plot for, like, the first and a half act, Mm -hmm. you know? And so bang plot is that she's in her vintage clothes boutique, because every single one of these characters has to have a really weird job. And she sees a ghost, and it's this woman, and she's got the really long nails, and she talks with a southern accent, sugar, and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, and my name's Peaches. Peaches Borido or something like yeah. that. Like a legitimately pretty good southern yeah. name. Bordeaux is a pretty good Bordeaux is a pretty good name. Of course spelled D E A U X. Yeah. Perfect. 
Although they're in Atlanta and not New Orleans. It was a very, the last one was very New Orleans too. There was like, there was a lot of voodoo magic. Uh, Yeah, I am guessing that Terry Gary is not actually from the South because they're in Atlanta and then they go to Savannah, Georgia. And even like the cemeteries that are always on the covers of these books, like that's a New Orleans cemetery. That's a New Orleans cemetery because there's mausoleums, you know, and like giant tombstones because there's no ground in new orleans so they have to bury them in mausoleums it's just like functionalism anyway so peaches boudreaux peaches bordeaux Bordeaux. oh i don't remember if it's the wine or the whorehouse anyway uh shows up and she's like you've got to help me i've got the vapors uh but i was in this car crash and my daughter is still in this car crash it's a problem and i'm dying Mm -hmm. i'm dead and you've helped me see that i'm dead but now you need to help me finish my my unfinished business because ghosts and so she tries to ignore the ghost and then finally she hates the like i hate these long nails of yours and everything like this but she goes and she helps the ghost and so she's driving along highway six or whatever with the ghost in the back seat and the ghost says it's right over there and she turns the corner and there's the the you can just barely make out and i don't know how people haven't because like plants are regrowing over this like hole in the forest or whatever on the side of the road she goes down in her six inch kick-ass heels or whatever because she's goth chic and there is the uh car and she finds the daughter alive but like very very almost dead how, wait, an how long ago was the car crash? a couple of days so she's almost dead of dehydration holy not shit. a car crash yeah. yeah and so then she calls the ambulance and they get her and so for the for a long time before we get going this woman is like dying of dehydration has bruised heels and everything like this and then her phone alarm goes off in the middle of a podcast or sorry oh, it would be awkward if i didn't mention it anyway um, and then after this woman gets to the hospital, gets put in the bed, gets Joe, her husband, to look at her. Mm-hmm. Joe, the husband, comes back into this, like, you know, the chapel in the hospital and is very serious. And we, the reader, and to be fair, Nikki, are both very convinced that this woman has died. Yeah. You know, because Joe is very acting very serious. And then it turns out <gasps> that this woman in the car was her twin ah! sister. And t- Wait, so does that mean that the dead woman was Nikki's grandma too? Not Nikki's grandma. Nikki's, Nikki's mom. mom. <laughs> it's so it turns out. So that- now she just found out that her mom is dead. In the first 25 pages that she has found her she had to help her mom's ghost help her find her long lost twin sister and then help the husband of that twin sister and her boyfriend fix the twin sister and now they have to meet and she has to tell her that her mom has died in the first 25 pages my goodness it's absolutely fantastic the thing i don't get is yet puffy face from the bruising dehydration grossness whatever how do you not see a person and realize it's your twin yeah like i see a person and i'm like that's what i'm gonna look like when i grow up yeah and i'm 26 years old like i don't have much growing up left to do but still anyway so then they get to know each other and it's awkward because she's super jealous that the sister kelly is going to want to take nick or joe nikki is her take joe back so she's suspicious from the start but yeah. it turns out that Kelly had left Joe to go into the Peace Corps because they never really should have been married in the first place. It's never explained what they didn't go along about. But it's really fun to see that 
in our book this time, the protagonist is the stylish, high maintenance, weird yeah. one, and then the opposing love interest is the down to earth, no makeup, hair in a ponytail. Who is normally the protagonist? Yeah, you think book. so? Yeah, but it turns out that the near death experience that Kelly had gave her the ability to uh see ghosts as well so now both twins can see ghosts yes both twins can see ghosts and it turns out that her sister can see male spirits and only when she realizes that her twin sister can see male spirits does she realize she has only ever seen female Female spirits spirits. so they have to work together to see both times of ghosts but they hate each other because she's so sure that kelly wants to steal joe away and basically, oh, her mama, uh, uh, Peaches, could see both. I'll just get to the end of the book, basically. But had made a deal with the devil for increased power. The devil's in this. Oh, um, him. And then her grandma, we are led to believe, could also see spirits and had the neck. And the neck runs in families. Mm-hmm. And so at her mom's Peaches, Boudreaux's funeral... The grandma shows up and is like, you've got to come back to Savannah, Georgia. And the grandma's name is Bijou Baudreau. Oh, wow. Which is very good. Um, and so there's a de- quick debate over whether or not to go back to Savannah to, to meet with Bijou because she's got to teach him in the ways of the neck mm-hmm. and everything like this. Um, and this is going long, but this is such a dramatic book. Uh, and so there's there's debate and it kind of skips and it's Halloween now all of a sudden. And they're going out to a bar and she is dressed as a sexy witch with a tattoo on her thigh and her boob and her neck and everything and they're gonna do it but then kelly who still has like black eyes from the car crash and her ankles and boots because she broke her ankles or some they're spraying them at the very least can't come out but she's discovering this paranormal power which she has used to help one person and the peach's ghost has warned nikki because she can only see women that he is coming and he lies and not to believe anything. So is then, it the devil? Well, that's why we later found out. Find out, and to the reader, it's eminently obvious because we've read the back of the book. Yeah. But to Nikki, there's a male ghost that comes to her and says, "Like, hey, you've got to help me uh, repair my relationship with my wife because I died in a car crash with my mistress." And the mistress comes to Kel- or Nikki and is like, "Yeah, my master is going to help you a lot." And it's very obvious, like she's working with the devil. When has Master ever said when it's not like the yeah. devil or a period piece? Lord Voldemort. Yeah, exactly. And so, but then, you know, she helps him and, and Nikki's trying to get her to stop helping this ghost because she thinks he's the liar. Mm. But she does and then he goes to the light or whatever. But then it's Halloween and they're out of the bars. And, uh, Kelly stays home. They go out to the Vortex, which sounds like a bar in Mass Effect and not in Atlanta, Georgia. And this, oh. Billy, a young Billy Idol, but ten times as hot. Oh, of course. Comes, yeah, with like a leather vest and a bicep wrap. And like, none of the clothes you're describing sound hot at all. No. And he's he knows her name and he's trying to seduce her. And it's like, bruh, that's the devil. Yeah. And he tells her that his name is Sammy, like Samuel, like the devil's name, and yeah. quotes Milton's Paradise Lost at her. And it, he might as well be wearing a neon flashing light that says, The Devil. Uh, I'm the Devil. You know. Can I take a sidewinder for a second? I've yeah. taken many. And we talked about this earlier tonight, so it might be boring for you, but I'd like the listener to hear about it. I can't get over the fact... Okay, who's... who? who uh, uh, Susan, uh, who's the devil? 
Lucifer. Lucifer, right? What did, what did Lucifer do? He fell from heaven. Yeah, he was an angel, right? Yeah. And then he he disagreed with God, and then he yeah. fell from heaven. Now he rules he, the underworld. He rules hell. Yeah. None of that's true in the Bible. Really? Yeah, he's just the devil. He's just like an animal that's in hell. He's a prisoner oh, of hell. Oh, there are you're separate right. pieces. That was in all hell. from Paradise Milton's Lost. Paradise Lost, and we just—I can't get over that Christianity has just accepted it. Yeah, it's it's Bible it's as my non-canon as, as yeah, it's non-canon as Katie, previous guest of Molly's Monsters, puts it. Fan fiction of the Bible. I like to think of it as extended universe Bible. But either way, it's not the friggin' Bible. And the Catholic yeah. and every other church is like, yeah, that seems right. <laughs> and so, like that the seven really levels funny. of hell. Yeah, that, that's, that's Dante. Dante. The the war that the devil waged against heaven. That's Milton's Paradise Lost, right? Yeah. And we just accept that as dogma. And it's just some friggin' Italian dude. Well, yeah. Milton was English, dude. That just was like, this would make a cool story, right? And now it's dogma. Yeah. And I don't want to get super duper political, but that kind of seems like representative religion as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Samuel uh, quotes Milne's Paradise Law. Um, But while she was going to this Halloween party, she gave another good pen or uh, uh, tagline. If you've got it, haunt it. Instead of oh, yeah, you got it. Um, so Kelly's actual maiden name before she married Joe was Sharon, mm-hmm. like the devil of, uh, or the the dog the... in front of hell. Sharon is the dog is of the three dog? level. No, it's the boatman. It's the boatman. I the was boat, gonna say, yeah, yeah Cerberus say. is the dog. Yes, Sharon is the boatman across the river. The river six, so creepy. Yeah. Anyway, which that was one thing that I loved about this first book that it was like. You must be twins because your names are related. Oh, you did tell me about that. Yeah. Okay, one last thing about the Halloween party. They're at a bar and she asked Joe to buy her a drink. And the drink that she orders is vodka, Kahlua, and lemon. Oh. The lemon's got a curdle the Kahlua, right? Yes, it does. That is a cement mixer shot, and that is a prank shot that you buy somebody. Because lime and a cream liqueur curdle. And I will say that it tastes... For a prank shot, it does taste pretty good. But then it makes you like a dog with peanut butter. Yes. Um, As far as prank shots go, my personal favorite is the Blue Wave. In which case, they pour you a shot of blue... They make it behind the back. Like, Mm -hmm. they turn away from you to make it. And it's just a shot of blue UV, but they, like, shake it up. And then they pour it in a shot glass. And then you take it and they spray you with the water. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. (laughs) It never gets actually ordered. It's just, like, a fun story. Anyway, so, uh, Halloween goes on. She resists the devil's advances, but she can't stop thinking about him. And uh, they get back to the house, and Kelly has bought a scrying mirror. And Peaches is trying to get in contact with her because she saw a shadowy figure. And a shadowy figure is in the back of this uh, 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 photograph that they took. And all of the plates are stacked, and Peaches is trying to get at her. And we later learn that this is untold guilt from the fact that she was driving during the car accident. And, like, that much guilt you would think would have to do with, like, drunk driving or distracted yeah. driving. But, no, it's just kind of like she crashed the car. Yeah. And I get that there's survivor's complex and everything. But, like, this goes beyond survivor's complex into... Especially because she didn't survive. Well, the other one didn't. No. Kelly did. Yeah. Um, And so 
that's the that's the quintessential survivor's comeback. Somebody oh, I else thought died. you were meaning that this was no. Peaches has moved on. She's gone. Oh, okay, okay. As soon as the the sister was found, she's in the light. Got know? it. Okay. And so this Kelly, is Kelly, that's yes, feeling this. Kelly is desperate to put Peaches' spirit to rest, which is already at rest. Yeah. Which gets us to the worst part of this book is that the entire conflict of this book is based in. People not taking the obviously correct word of the people around them. Yeah. This is a supernatural universe in which Joe knows that Nikki can see ghosts. Kelly has seen ghosts because she has seen them. So she knows Nikki's not like not fibbing about this whole thing. And nobody will believe each other except for when they're obviously lying. Like when there's uh, obvious lies, yeah. then they're like, oh, yeah. And you as the reader are like, Nikki. That's an obvious lie. Yeah. And you just, like, everyone doesn't believe anyone unless they're obviously lying. And so, basically, they go back to Savannah, Georgia, to learn how to do the neck. And a, a very friendly man named Leonard meets them at this flower shop that Bijou owned. And then they've got a mammy stereotype of Odessa mm-hmm. as their cook. And she talks in hoods. And I'm fitting to do this and that. And yikes That's on bikes. Um, but then it's it's basically like you can learn how to use your powers if you spend one night in this haunted house because Bijou has died. Yeah. You I didn't tell you that. Bijou has died in oh. the time I started skipping over this part, so I missed the part where they told her that Bijou has died. But there's a funeral while they're deciding to come from Atlanta to Savannah, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh so Leonard is very sorry about this. But then they spend the night in the house, and basically it's a haunted-ass house. Yeah. And the crux of it is that the devil's going to tempt them, and it's very spooky, and Kelly invites this guy, Spider, over, who's basically like a ghost tours kind of guy, and mm-hmm. he's got a, a earring and necklace, and he's really gross. Mm-hmm. And then she, Kelly is like getting it in, in deep with like rituals and seances and the Ouija board, mm-hmm. and Nikki's like, you don't have to do this. I've seen ghosts for like a year now. This is not a part of seeing ghosts. Yeah. And Nikki's like, no, I have to. to put pe-. And it's like, believe her, please. Yeah. If I started doing something, what's something? I, if I started snowboarding and I was like, oh, I got to buy a $30,000 board and the $500 boots. And then someone who snowboarded for a while was like, no, it's fine. Just buy like the whatever. And I was like, no. I'm right and yeah. you're wrong. Basically, yeah. But they're staying in this haunted house and the devil transforms, or the devil has like the mistress of the mistress or whatever. And she transforms into Nikki and makes out with Spider so that Joe sees it and gets jealous. And then and then Kelly admits that she's still in love with Joe. And then the, the mistress of the original dead dude that Kelly thought, or Nikki thought was lying, transforms into Nikki and uh, tells her all these awful things that Nikki was thinking about Kelly to try and like split them apart so that the devil can have Nikki to do ill-defined evil deeds mm. basically take all these ghosts that you're seeing and send them to hell instead of the light okay and i will give this book credit because at one point nikki's like i'm not even gonna try to guess what is the what the light is dogmatically yeah you know <laughs> like i'm not even gonna go there yeah and so it's the con the main conflict like i said is just trying to get kelly to realize that nikki's telling the truth about don't fucking make a deal with this spirit that you yeah. think is a ghost which you would think like, hey, Kelly, I can see this ghost that you're talking to. Yeah. Therefore, he's not a ghost. Yeah. Right? Like, he's the devil. I've seen him before. 
if I can see him and I can't see male spirit, and so no one has that logical conversation. Yeah. And so they they have it out and they have a talk and then the devil's defeated because Kelly finally believes Nikki and Nikki finally believes Kelly and Joe and they they decide that they're all gonna get together happily ever after. All gonna get to- no, not like get together. Uh. And and there are very few. I don't believe there are any gay or like incest threesome jokes, which is good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, but it gets super crazy at the end because it turns out that Bijou Boudreau is not an actual person, but in which the devil tries to hint that he's the father of Peaches and therefore the grandfather of the, okay. and then like the father of them as well. Like we meet Peaches, oh. the mother, and then Bijou, the, the grandmother. grandmother. So like the devil met with Bijou and then the devil met with Peaches and oh. there's these kids and she's trying, the devil's trying to sleep with Nikki or whatever, right? Yeah. Which is like, I don't think it counts as incest when it's a devil. Yeah. I don't think he's like, oh, this is my daughter. Because he's kind of, you know, evil incarnate. He's the devil, yeah. yeah. Um, But it turns out that Bijou Boudreaux did not die. Oh. And is instead the alter ego of Leonard, the guy who runs the flower shop, who cross-dressed as Bijou Boudreaux. And so he had to tell him that she died because they barged in on this flower shop without alerting him that they were coming. And so he was uncross-dressed. But the funniest thing is, is that Nikki is very sure that she has talked to Bijou Bordeaux's ghost because he just sort of breaks into her bedroom as cross-dressed as Oh my gosh. But wait, so wasn't Bijou supposed to be Peaches' mom? No, it's Peaches' dad. Who's the mom? I don't know. That's not addressed in the book. Who's Peaches' husband? Not the devil. Uh, it's not addressed in the book, so I'll assume it'll come later. This is like the Star Wars of shitty paranormal romance that everyone's related to everyone That's else. That's amazing. It's so good. It's so bad. And then it's wild. And then Kelly is going to hook up with Spider in the future because Nikki didn't want to because she's got Joe. And, and then- is Kelly still in love with Joe? Kelly is not. She's in love. She loves him, but she's not in love with him. And oh, she thinks okay. she never actually did. Oh, of course. One of those. And then the book ends with, like, the climax is them basically, like, agreeing to trust each other and therefore casting the devil out, basically. You know, right? And then Bijou reveals that she's a man, that she's Leonard, this other dude that was introduced for a short time. And then there's, like, 15 more pages of slight denouement. And so then they go back to Atlanta. Well, Nikki goes back to Atlanta with Joe. Kelly's going to stay in this haunted house because they also have to pair of ghost children. And that's why Leonard needed them to come because there was a man or like a boy child and a girl child. And Leonard was not powerful enough with the neck to get them to go to the light. So she need- he he needed both of them to come through and help them along. Okay. And Peaches had agreed the entire time. That she was going to send these two child, two children to the dark, the hell, basically. And if she sent them to the light, then the devil was going to go for her two adopted daughters. And so instead of doing that, she just let these two ghost children continue to be in the house. Because the devil is apparently caught through loopholes. And uh, that's another thing. What's up with the stereotype of the, the devil who's bound by contracts? Yeah, he's the devil. He's not that's, bound by anything. That's such a white person thing. Like, yeah. hey, we had a deal. And the devil has to go like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's in writing. <laughs> I, the the creature who rebelled against Yahweh, really respect this written tradition of law. <laughs> But anyway, so then there's awkward denouement, and we find out that the the uh, Joe and Nikki are getting along together, 
and then the two gay men are having a good time, and then the book just sort of ends. Sounds about right. There are, I think, five or six of these. At some point, Nikki and Joe get married. Good. Yeah. I will have to say in the, which there's a picture of a bride's, like she's looked like she's going to get married and it's a match made in hell. Yeah. And she never once, to her credit, is legitimately tempted into leaving Joe for the devil. Yeah. Like she some, she thought about him while they're doing it once because it was like one of those pop-in thoughts. Yeah. But it was never like, yeah, let's meet at this time to go make out and then she wusses out. It's always like, no, yeah. get thee behind me and all that good stuff. I think that was something that I, I had pointed out about the first book too is that the cover art did not match the... That's true, you the, did. ...the story at all. Maybe the cover art matches the next story each time. But basically, here's my guesses for the next story. We find out who Peach's husband was and their dad, and he's still alive, and he also has the knack, I assume. The knack. The knack. And also, Nikki and Kelly become, like, other world books style weapons in the war between good and evil. Because uh, the first one, Dead Girls Have It Easy, was pretty small scale. And you know how these books work. They always got to get bigger and bigger scale. Which is also kind of the worst part about them. Because remember that detective novel I read about like the noir detective who is dealing with mythological creatures? And he has like, he's, he was finding out who his mother was the night side it all took place yes 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 and i assume the first one was like hey i'm a dude in the night side check out this cool environment that i'm in having a a normal Mm -hmm. noir sort of thing and the book you got me is like i have to save all of existence you don't have any room to grow from there Yeah, keep the plot small man that makes it more interesting i would rather read about a person who's trying to save someone yeah than the entire world and i think if we're allowed to take another jag, I think that is why both Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther were more interesting than Infinity War. Yeah. Because Infinity War is like, we're trying to solve the universe. And Black Panther is like, I'm trying to have my country remain honorable. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, that's my, I understand that a little bit more. You know? Yeah. A little bit more small scale, close to home. Wakanda's not very close to home. <laughs> but I will say, I hope that showed up on the recording. We'll kind of forever. Anyway. Good night. Yeah. No, we got to do our thing. It's been a while. Um, So was that a good good way to ease back into Bibliomic? A little bit, yeah. Now it's summer, so I get to do whatever I want. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was Terry Gary's Dead, uh, not Dead Girls Are Easy, A Match Made in Hell, and Beth Harbison's uh, Shoe Shoe Addicts Anonymous. I finally got to talk about two months after I read it. I'm sorry. You can anyway. find me. Anyway. You can find me on Twitter at Dickima, D-I-C-K-I-M-A-A. And I'm at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. Go ahead. The theme song for our music is more Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Back on Twitter again. You can find us at Bibliovile to follow us and retweet and like and share and smash that subscribe button. Uh, all of our pot or both of our projects between Bibliovile and Molly's Monsters. Thank you, by the way, to Katie for coming out to do Molly's Monsters of the past two weeks. Super fun. Uh, all of that music is produced by Louis Zong. I don't know if I mentioned it then, so I'm mentioning it now. And then our music, as you heard for this podcast, is by Elixir. Babe of the Night by the band Elixir. They're all rampant. Exactly. Um, That should do it for us. Feel free to contact us in the way that you know us personally, so you probably have some best way. 
Good night, Michelle.